the most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Knowledge Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as always, is the co-host with the most, Jeff Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? You're doing great. Great to see you, MMA Anomaly. And we got a UFC 297 to break down. We are taking a little trip to Toronto, Canada, baby. Let's go. Oh, man. Oh, man. When you jump out of your seats, you almost pee your pants and you just almost fucking have a heart attack with excitement. You can blame Canada because that's where the excitement is going to be going down this weekend, folks. I am super stoked to break this one down. I think it is going to be an absolute barn burner of a card from start to finish. And I couldn't be happier to be breaking it down with my uh, my homie, my brother, my co-host with the most drive turkey nano wearing the meat and potato uh meat and potatoes striker shirt there you love to fucking see it and also i mean he he was dealing with his own battles his own trials and tribulations today folks he had a power outage that went on literally until about 10 minutes ago so uh you know through the storm through the weather dirt sleet rain or snow he's the co-host that's ready to fucking go you already know and we don't we persevere, baby. Yep, now we're here, ready to r- keep it rolling. That's what we do. Where there's a will, let's, there's a way. Let's go, baby. <laughs> and it was a quiet hour. It was kind of nice. Off the grid for a little bit. <laughs> I love it, man. Had a little bit of time to meditate, find your chief, find your center, uh, and, and get ready to break down these fights, folks. So without further ado, we are going to go ahead and jump into UFC 297. Uh, obviously, we like to start at the bottom of the card and work our way to the top like it's a fucking Drake song. You started from the bottom, now we're here. Um, but you know, the first things first, I think we should actually talk just a little bit, a little bit. No, no. And I, I might be catching you off guard a little bit here, but I think, uh, I would be remiss if I did not mention, or even slightly go over the Dominic Reyes versus Carlos Olberg canceled belt, as well as the Jan Blakowicz versus Alexander Rakic canceled belt. Um, you don't have to go through it in great extended detail, but I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on this. Nano. Who did you have winning that Dominic Reyes versus Carlos Olberg fight? I was really intrigued by that matchup. To your point, you know, I think uh, this card, unfortunately, is getting a lot of criticism early on, you know, and and you hate to hear that. It's These guys are all putting their lives at stake here. We're all going to be tuned in regardless. Let's not make this any reason not to get together with the crew or your boys and pitch in and everybody watches this fight card. But we do need to also remember there are two cancellations here, ladies and gentlemen, in that light heavyweight division that has had a lot of things shaken and stirring recently. 
And again, like you mentioned, brother, to answer your question, Dominic Reyes versus Carlos Ulberg, two guys that, man, I mean, in a lot of ways you could say are training different directions in this stage in their career, but two guys that have heavy hands and are looking to get back in that title conversation. I was probably going to be leaning towards Carlos Ulberg again, just because of the trajectory and where his career is going at this point. Would love to see if this can get rebooked. Who knows? I don't know if it was due to uh, injury. I'm assuming that's what happened, but either way, uh, love to see Dominic Grez get on the winning track, but this is a tough matchup. No easy uh, nights in the office for anybody at this stage in their career. So um, I was excited to watch that one. And then the Jan Blahovic and Alexander Rakic. I mean, my goodness, that was going to be a banger as well, man. That was going to be a low-key barn burner as well. Like you mentioned, a great uh, uh, way to describe this card. And again, if these four fights were on here, we would have been talking about how absolutely stacked and filthy it is to start the year off. But beggars can't be choosers. Um, that would have been a really fun fight as well. I think Rockage is someone that, in my opinion, is really, really tough. Unfortunately, he had that injury the last time we seen him out there and just don't really have a lot of other recent memories of him. <clears throat> so not to get too much recency bias there, because you might think, oh, Jan Blachowicz, he's up and down. But no, the Polish power is always there. He's a lethal weapon at all times. But I do think Alexander Rakic would have found a way to step up and uh, make himself the obvious choice into that title contention if he were to score off against Jan. So would love to see that as well. But curious to hear your breakdown on those uh, uh, cancel bouts as well, brother. So I uh, love that breakdown. Always appreciate your insights on this, Nano, because honestly, like the, the best thing in the world is having more than one set of inputs, seeing the way that different people think and kind of see things breaking down and playing out. And, and let's be honest, like we have two very, very different skill sets and two very different kind of sets of eyes and, and, and understandings of this. So with that being said, I think when it all boils down to it, um, Carlos Oberg is somebody who's undefeated. Right? He's somebody who hasn't showed any weaknesses inside of the octagon in the UFC or outside of the octagon in the UFC and in any other promotion for that matter. Man, or sorry, he's not undefeated. He does have one loss. Uh, but that one loss is a very long time ago. Or at least it feels like it was it was only back in 2021. But again, recency bias is a son of a bitch. He's on a five-fight win streak coming uh, over Fabio Charant, Tafan and Chukwi, um, Nicolau Nigamedianu, Ihor Poteria. And Dawon Jung, I mean, the man is an absolute beast, right? And every single one of those, just about, right, uh, four out of five is a finish. So, again, very, very impressive. Three KOs or TKOs, one rear naked choke, and one unanimous decision after losing in the second round via KO punches to uh, Kennedy and Chuck Wu. Now, I think this guy would have completely lost his fight to Dominic Reyes. I'm going to go against you on this one. Uh, because here's the thing. Dominic Reyes is somebody who's fought folks like John Jones, Jan Blachowicz, etc. He's fought a who's who in the UFC, right? And uh, Carlos Olberg is somebody who's just now getting started in the UFC. I think he would probably st struggle with somebody who has nice entries and slick footwork and also just overall good boxing. And I do think that Dominic Reyes has some of the better boxing in light heavyweight. So... I think he would have posed a lot of problems. I think it would have been a very, very exciting fight to watch. Um, and I'm sad we didn't get to see it. I do hope that they get to reschedule that one because, as you said, I think it'd be a fun fight to get to witness, even if it's on a later bout. Maybe throw it on UFC 300 on the prelims or something. I don't know. Um, moving into the next one. Again, I'm going to let you take the... Or you know what? I'll take the lead on this. I'll give you a break. I'll give you a break, Nano. 
take take your foot off the gas here. We're going to talk just for a second about Jan Blachowicz coming in against Alexander the Rocket. I think Alexander Rakic just would have gotten it done in this one. He does have explosive power, um, and he also has a solid set of takedown defense in his UFC career thus far. Um, I, I think that the guy would have posed major, major threats when it comes to his opponent. And again, this is just speculation here for me, but I just think that he is a uh, a significant powerhouse in the light heavyweight division. Very underrated, has a lot of pop in his movements, very much like uh, someone that we recently saw fight, right? Johnny Walker. But the difference is he doesn't like to play around. He doesn't like to mess around. He doesn't like to play with his food. Um, and, and he doesn't like to leave himself open for damage. Uh, so with that being said, I would have to go with Alexander Rockage in this fight. Big fan of Jan Blachowicz, but I just think that it's a bad stylistic matchup for the man. And, uh, I mean, that's it for me. Nano, curious to hear what your thoughts are on this fight and if you think mm-hmm. we'll see it get rescheduled or if these young men will get matched up against somebody else. I'm hoping they both get rescheduled. But, yeah, in regards to Jan Blahovich versus Alexander Rakic, man, don't want to be a broken record. I agree with you. I think we're off to a great start already as we're uh, right in sync here. But, yeah, I mean, he's a big explosive athlete getting better at 31 years old. Uh, and I think he does have all the tools to beat a Jan Blachowicz, the power, uh, Polish power that is there. Although he is 40 years old, man, it's just it's tough to continue to do what he's been doing at that stage. So I would trend uh, in the direction of Rockage, but we'll have to break that down another day uh, when it's actually going to happen. Unfortunately, hopefully sooner than later. <laughs> Absolutely, my guy. Uh, so. With that being said, we will go ahead and jump into fights that are actually going to happen. Uh, we got Malcolm Gordon coming in against Jimmy Flick. This is a fight that has fireworks written all over it. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. I told myself after the last handful of fights that when it comes to Malcolm X Gordon and Jimmy Flick, I am avoiding the betting line here uh, just about at all costs. But... But big, 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 big butt here. Um, these guys are absolute studs. I think this is going to be an extremely exciting fight. And um, I, I don't really know exactly which one of these guys is going to win. It's either going to be Malcolm X Gordon or Jimmy the Brick Flick. I'll tell you that. Um, but between these two folks, I will tell you that who I like in this fight, who I think edges it out and gets it done is Probably going to be Malcolm X Gordon. I think he's just going to be able to get a little bit more done, especially with that three inch reach advantage. He's also a little bit of an awkward fighter and um, he's pretty damn resistant in terms of uh, what his opponent brings. Like of his losses, only two of seven have come by way of submission. Jimmy Flick, typically if he gets it done, it's going to be a submission. And I think Malcolm Gordon is just, even if there's a technique deficit there or a knowledge deficit there when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or grappling overall, Malcolm Gordon has a lot of strength in this flyweight division, and I think that he's probably going to be able to flex it. Now, I'm trying to see if there's an alternative total rounds here for this one um, because I don't necessarily love under 1.5 for minus 125. I would rather hit a safe bet on this one and... uh 
and there's no alternative rounds. I was, I was hoping we'd get an under 2.5 on this one, but I guess I guess under 1.5 it is, folks. First single of the night, we are going to do very small bets on this one, folks. Um, we're going to go ahead and do the under 1.5 on this one. We're going to keep it very, very basic here, guys. Uh, we're going to do a fifth of a unit on this one. Very small bet. Um, I I think this one cashes, but not enough to bet a whole unit on it or even a half unit on it. Um, yeah. I like it. Sprinkling a little bit. Sign off early. You know what? We'll do a quarter unit on it. We'll do a quarter unit on it. There you go. Why not? Nana, what are your thoughts on this fight between Malcolm X, Gordon, and Jimmy the Brick Flick? Yeah, man, it's going to be a fun fight. Uh, as DMX once said, X can give it to you. And, uh, that, you know, that's what Malcolm goes going to try to do here for his home crowd of Toronto, Canada. But he's got a tough matchup in our boy Jimmy Flick over here, man. 14 subs to his name out of his 16 wins. So you do know what his path to victory is going to try to be. Can he avoid if Can Malcolm X Gordon avoid that for 15 minutes? It's tough to say, man. Both of these individuals, although they are the same age, they're both coming off a couple losses. Each of them are, um, respectively. So, backs against the wall. Uh, uh, I am curious to see how Malcolm X Gordon can use his size and potentially his strength to his advantage. It does look like he's listed at 129, which is interesting to me. Maybe he's a little bit of a tweener. When it comes to weight divisions, maybe he's fought in both of them. Um, or he's listed at 130, I should say, on uh, even Sherdog as well. So with that in consideration, um, is he going to be able to use that weight to his advantage along with the uh, additional reach, uh, three inches that is? And again, can he avoid... Um, the the submissions you know what jimmy flick's gonna try to do here in, in this game if he gets it to the ground in any capacity he's gonna try and uh choke out of there so um there are some good odds i mean if you if you want to chase the underdogs like we'd sometimes like to do maybe you want to pair up a jimmy flick here at plus 170 or like our buddy olin's doing here starting off the night uh with some fireworks you know what the ufc does they set the first card here like this for a reason I think somebody here is going to begin finish, and you are getting some good odds there at minus one twenty-five. Not a, not a bad bet to bet sprinkle as well on there, but uh, this is a fun one. I'm a little bit of a toss-up, but I think I would lean Jimmy Flick here just as the underdog, as the American, um, partially. But uh, it's going to be a fun one for sure. Absolutely, my guy. This is definitely going to be an exciting fight. It has fireworks written all over it. Both of these guys are highly decorated finishers, in my humble opinion. And in this next fight, in this next fight, um, I'm extremely excited about it. I think that it's going to be another barn burner, but this time in the women's uh, you know, divisions here. We got a crazy good fight, but if you notice, I'm trying my best to not say these names out loud. And it's because I want Nano to uh, to pronounce both of these names first. I think it's going to be great fun here. <laughs> here we go. Well, starting off, we have Jasmine Jazz uh, Jazu Davizius. It's actually Yesadavichis, but Yesadavichis, Jazz Davizius, whatever. The woman herself explaining it for you, buddy. 
I think I got it pretty close. I was close to the whatever. I was close to the whatever. <laughs> Thank you, brother, for that yes, soundbite. Yes, Javadish. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, Javadish. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to let the kind lady speak again. I love it. But yeah, so Jasmine, Jazz, Javadish. Yes, Javadish. Yes, Davages. Bursing Priscilla Cachoaea. I hope that's. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you're the semi for that one, but. I do, and it's applaud. Thanks, brother. Let's Thanks, go. brother. Give it up for the young man. Let's get it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. You know, AK Zombie Girl. We got another zombie in the MMA. So one leaves and another one comes in. Zombie. Uh, but yeah, man, this is a fun ladies matchup to start the night, right? We got a Jasmine, JJ, we'll uh, say for short, coming off a tough loss again to Tracy Cortez, where she did look good, but Tracy Cortez was just able to outclass her just a little bit more. Hopefully she can get back on the winning track here. Uh, but she's going to have her work cut out for, for uh, with a Priscilla zombie girl in front of her. And like the name suggests, certainly somebody that uh is not going to go out without a tough fight right so this is going to be a night where jj can prove her toughness can prove her durability hopefully use some of that skill and um a little bit of her youth and a little bit of her size to her advantage here she will have three inches reach even though they are the same height so can she use that to her advantage she is a little bit more of um the busier striker and she's a little bit more well versed in the takedown game so I think she can put all that together. Uh, again, she is a Canadian. So I know I bet against Malcolm Gordon and the hometown kid in the last matchup, but I'm going to go for the hometown girl here and um, say that she's going to be the first one to get a win in her backyard uh, over, again, a tough matchup in Priscilla. But I'm going with JJ on this one, brother. What are your thoughts? Where are you leaning? Well, when it comes to this fight, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, I am Definitely, definitely, wholeheartedly leaning towards Jasmine. Yes, um, I feel like she's probably going to get it done. I do feel like I cheated on the last name there a little bit. Uh, <laughs> she is coming in against Priscilla Cachoeira, um, who is a beast in her own right. But I just don't think that Priscilla is going to have what it takes to get it done against jasmine yes i i just think that jasmine gets it done uh she's an absolute beast she is i mean she's canada's own right um she's fighting out of canada she's fighting in canada blame canada when priscilla cachoeira gets probably finished um is there a specific way that i see this fight going not necessarily i mean again I do feel like Jasmine has a lot of different paths to victory when it comes to this fight. Um, again, she's nine and three, which is maybe not the best record in the whole wide world, but two wins by KO, one win by submission, six wins by decision. I mean, folks, what I'm trying to say is that Jasmine is an absolute grinder. She's an absolute beast and she can get it done pretty much anywhere the fight goes. And, and I mean, that's why I have Jasmine yes, on my parlay this week, folks. Um, she's the one that's going to be starting off the parlay. And I do think 
that Jasmine is probably my most confident pick here on the card. Sheesh. Well, I mean, I think uh, DraftKings and Vegas certainly would agree with you. She is a minus 385 on ESPN. And on the DraftKings, minus 380. So, yeah, brother. The odds are certainly in the favor that that should be a lock. Load it up, baby. Yeah, if I had to, if I had to bet on it, I mean, if I had to guess a way that the fight finishes, I mean, obviously, I think more so it leans towards the decision. But Priscilla has been finished in the past. Uh, We have seen it happen before. We have seen her been submitted three out of five times for her for her losses. We've also seen Jasmine uh, get it done by submission once. So it could be a submission, but I'm probably leaning a little bit heavier towards that decision. But either way, I do have on my parlay to start it off. Uh, Moving into the next fight, folks. We got Johan Lanes coming in against Sam Patterson. Nano, do you have any heat on this fight? Do you want to move past it? What are your thoughts, comments, concerns? Questions, comments, concerns, man. I can keep it uh, easy, breezy, lemon squeezy, uh, short and sweet as I'm stalling for time here. No, this should be a good matchup, though. Again, we have the hometown kid, Johan Lionessi. Uh, 6'1", listed at 171, so he is going to be a little bit bigger, a little bit of the elder here as well at 31 years old, only four years, so I'm not too concerned. Um, Both of them have a good record, 9-2 and two on Johan's side against his opponent, Sam Patterson, uh, who's 27 years old, 10-2 and two record, um, six KOs for Johan, four for uh, Sam Patterson, five subs, so he, he is pretty well-rounded, but... Listed at 155, that does scare me, even though he is 6'3". I'm just thinking Johan's maybe going to be able to use some of that frame and some of that strength to stay inside and just have uh, a few more paths to victory. But that's really my two cents. I, I, I'm not too familiar with the, either, either of these individuals. Uh, had to rely on the tape and just kind of use the good old-fashioned eyeballs and make a brass assumption. This is a close matchup on the odds. Um, so... As close to a coin flip as you can get nowadays, but um, here's your your breakdown, brother. Or we can keep it moving, like you said. Yeah, no, I don't have a ton of heat on this one. I'll be honest with you. I stayed away from this one as far as the betting odds. This one is about as close as Malcolm Gordon versus Jimmy, the brick flick to me. Uh, I do feel like both of these guys have different paths to victory here. Now, when it comes to, um, you know, we'll go ahead and start off with Johan the White Lion Lioness. Um, I mean, when your last name is almost Lioness, I guess you have to go with the nickname the Lion. Am I right, folks? Uh, <laughs> so Johan Lioness is is an absolute beast. Um, as I will say about most of these guys, if you make it to the UFC, folks, you are an absolute beast. That's a fact. You have made it to the top of competition. And that's what we're here to talk about. So how does this guy end up winning his fights? Zero times by submission. I'll tell you that. He typically finishes by KO or TKO, which is why he's gotten six out of his nine wins that way. The other three, of course, have come by way of decision. And if we're looking at the most recent wins, honestly, these wins have come by knockout. Uh, 
I mean, for the most part, right? Like three out of his four last wins have come by way of finish. You got a left hook in round one over Justin Berlinson. You got the body punches. They were nasty, nasty body punches in round two at CFFC 98 over Evan Cutts. And then, uh, you know, otherwise you got that win in UFC for him over Darian Weeks, which was a split decision. So, um, again, uh, the guy either gets it done or gets done in. So I should have said his last three or four fights were finishes. Two of them were finishes for him. One was a finished uh, for his opponent, Gabe Green, who, again, Gabe Gifted Green. If you don't know that name, you should definitely look it up. Dude's an absolute slaughterhouse. Um, but again, I digress. We're here to talk about Sam Patterson coming in against Johan Lainess. Um, Johan Lainess, as you said, should have a pretty solid frame. He's very thick, and he's the bigger guy coming into this fight. Sam Patterson typically fights at the lower weight class, but I'm here to tell you, Sam Patterson got the reach advantage folks he's also got the height advantage typically technically scientifically he's the bigger guy he's the longer guy and if he puts on the extra 20 pounds he should beat the stronger guy uh however this is a little bit of a different animal for him right uh his last fight was against mike malott so that fight was a 155 pounder and and I mean, that's telling me, or no, actually, no, that fight was a 170 pounder. So yeah, this is not his first fight at 170 pounds. I apologize. This is the second fight at 170 pounds, which gives me a lot more faith in him. And I think Sam Patterson is probably going to be the one to get it done. Sam, the future Patterson, 10 and two and one. Um, Again, different paths to victory here. Guy has four knockouts slash TKOs, but unlike his opponent who either wins by KO slash TKO or decision, this guy can get a decision win. Only fight he's ever had to go to decision. It's only happened one time, folks. Uh, he got the win, okay? Um, but that one win is only 10% of how he wins. 40% come by way of knockout. The other 50% come by way of submission, folks. Uh, the guy has got five submission wins and zero submission losses to his name. And if you look at the, the way he's done it recently, again, if you look at it, three of his last four wins, they're finishes. One guillotine choke in round two. One rear naked choke in round two. One barrage of punches in round two. Good Lord, this guy likes to finish fights in round two, my guy. And that is why I think he is probably going to get it done in round two. I don't know. Call me crazy. Um, I do think that if we look at the track record here, he usually gets it done pretty late in round two if he's going to get it done. Every single time it has been after that two and a half minute mark. I mean, you might be sweating a little bit heavy on this, but I think if you go with the over 1.5, it might be a safe bet, even though it's plus 120. And that is why, even though I said at the beginning of this breakdown, I fucking talked myself into it, folks. I am going to put, um, we'll, we'll do a quarter of a unit. on. I like it, brother. I like it. Sprinkle, sprinkle. And we'll go ahead and jump into the next fight here, guys. With that being said, we are jumping right into the preliminary fights. We got Jillian Robertson coming in against Pollyanna Viana. No, no, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, my guy. Let's hear what you got to say. Here we go. Leading off the prelims as we just broke down the early prelims. That's how you know it's a pay-per-view. We got a few extra fights here to break down for you. 
But yeah, this is a fun matchup for the Starway division, y'all. A lot of heat behind this. So we have a Jillian Robinson, Robertson, excuse me, coming in, 28 years old, 12 and 8 record, nine subs. This lady does have a path to victory. She's gonna want to get you, crank you, choke you, rip you apart, do whatever it is, but it's gonna be on the ground. Um, and she's gonna have her work cut out for her uh, when she does have a Pollyanna Viana in front of her. A little bit of the elder here, 31 years old, just three years, not too concerned. Uh, 13 and six record, five KOs and eight subs. Pollyanna's fun, man. Not, to be, not just because of the way she dresses on um, social media or like in the pre fight stuff, but just in general. Just saying, you know, it's a lot of anime and uh, fun costumes and things of that nature. If you're into comic books and things like that, you might find them to be very cool and um, entertaining. But yeah. Oh, yeah. That aside, um, they both are coming off losses. So this is a big one for them. You know, they need to get a win. They need to stay in relevance. They need to get in that win column and make a push uh, to stay on top of the division when it comes to relevance and making a title contender. Um, so this is tough, right? I mean, Gillian Robinson does have the home court advantage. Again, it is in Toronto, Canada. She is Canadian, eh? So is she going to be able to use that to her advantage, being the younger fighter, a little bit more hungry? Boy, oh boy, it's a toss-up, in my opinion. Although it's not necessarily a toss-up when you look on uh, the odds. The oddmakers do feel that Jillian Robinson is the favorite at minus 290 or 285, depending on where you're getting the odds. Um, man, if you like your underdogs, Pollyanna Viana would be a fun bet, but I think I'm going to play it a little more safe here and uh, go with uh, Jillian Robertson as the favorite and the hometown kid here again. Can't go against Tandon too often now. What about you, brother? Man, I'm uh, I'm not mad at that. I'm be honest with you. I think that that is probably. I, I don't want to say it's a safe bet, but I will say it's probably a uh, a, a solid bet, right? I um, I like Pollyanna Viana in this. One. I'm just going to come right out the gates and say it, folks. Um, I do think that she's an absolute beast. I think that um, what comes to mind, obviously. Anytime that I think Pollyanna Viana is is going to be what happened in Brazil when a young man didn't know that she was a UFC fighter and tried to mug her. And so what ended up happening is she hit him with like a, a three piece and a soda. And then after that, she ended up uh, holding him in a rear naked choke while the authorities came all the while looking like something and somebody that when she just simply walks out of her bedroom in the morning in the background of everyone's mind that sees her, all you hear is. Um, and I mean, like, again, she probably didn't even mess up her eyelashes or makeup. I got to say, I lost a bet and already had to do a shot before the show even started, folks, because there were two women in our Muay Thai class today who had, and again, no disrespect. They had beautiful makeup, right? Like it was, it was fantastic like the dark eyeshadow that was like super thick. One of them had fake eyelashes on and I'm like, holy shit, no chance this stuff lasts throughout class. And Mare was like, you know what? Let's bet a shot on it. I bet, I bet they actually do. Cause you know, someone that comes to class looking like that, like they probably have the good stuff that's going to stay on. These girls looked exactly the same after an hour of like blood, sweat and tears, man. Uh, so absolute shout out to them. 
thought it was incredible. I already paid my dues. Um, but that being said, the reason I thought about that is because Pollyanna Viana is also somebody who I feel like would be able to do that. Uh, and, and in this fight, I feel like this is going to be an extremely fun belt to watch. I think that um, Jillian Robertson brings a lot of threats to this fight at 12 and 8. She's got less wins and more losses. And yet, if you pull up the actual Vegas odds here, I'm pretty sure without even looking that she's a favorite. Let's see. Here. Yeah. yeah, she's minus 285 favorite. Um, why is that? Well, if we look at who she's fought, she's fought kind of a who's who, in my opinion, compared to who her opponent has fought, right? Like, she has fought uh, Rose Namajunas. <laughs> she fought JJ Aldridge. She's fought Sheesh. Priscilla Cachoeira. She's fought Tabitha Ricci. Oh. Whereas Pollyanna Viana, like, she's fought Veronica Hardy. She fought Emily the Spitfire Whitmire. She also fought Tabitha Ricci, but she lost. Uh, they both did, actually, Tabitha Ricci. And other than that, like, she has wins over Yasmin Lucindo, who is a, a beastly fighter, but she's very young in her career. And Jen Frey, who was on a bit of a losing streak. So Pollyanna Viana, even though she has not had the, the who's who of names and she lost that fight to Veronica Hardy. I mentioned by the way, and she lost the fight to JJ Aldrich. Um, again, just like Jillian Roberts, they have very, very similar paths to the here, but at the same time, vastly different. Again, another name down Jillian Robertson's, uh, like long winded fucking list of fights. Pearl Gonzalez, Caitlin Chukagian, Miranda Maverick, so again, she's fought Sheesh. a who's who, right? She's fought like basically everybody, dude. Lots so, of names. Yeah, I mean, Jillian the Savage Robertson has fought a lot of names in this division, but against my against possibly my better judgment, I'm going for Dama de Ferro, Pollyanna Viana, folks. Um, I think she's going to be in and out of the pocket. I think when her opponent swings on her, she's going to disappear and leave behind a trail of smoke like an episode of Naruto. And then she's going to land her own shots and make them count, folks. Uh, I can't wait for this one. I think this one, again, has fireworks written all over it. I do think that either one of these girls with a dominant win puts themselves right back into title contention. And, you know, with a, a, a good enough post-fight speech, who knows? A year from now, they may be standing across from the, the champion of their weight class. Damn, he got me. <laughs> got him! So, uh, what, yeah, I mean, I feel like this well is just said, gonna be a well great said. way to open up the prelims, man. Facts. Facts. We're spoiled, brother. They set it up nicely. They did. They really did. This next one, I'll be honest with you. Um, other than some some light tape study, I don't know a ton about these guys. I don't. I don't have a lot of heat on this next fight between Sergi Sidi and Ramon Taveras. Um, did Did you have any any heat on this fight? I mean, no heat in terms are, of betting. Not much else to break down other than yeah, like they found the uh, Dana White Contender Series and uh, Sergi Sidi did get a knockout over Ramon. He does have uh, seven other under his belt. So seems like he's 
possibly going to be where I would lean if I had to make a bet. A um, few inches taller, a couple inches on the reach, a few inches younger. Um, man, just feels like that would be where maybe where I'd lean. But yeah, a lot of fights we can continue, you know, uh, pushing through and breaking them all down here further. But yeah, I think this one probably going to be the same narrative, same story we already saw here, just on maybe a bigger stage, unfortunately, <laughs> for Ramon, that is. But fortunately for uh, the uh, opposition, that is. And uh, Thierry Sidi. Hope we're pronouncing that right. <laughs> Absolutely love it, man. Absolutely love it. Um, I know flyweight unders are in, but I'm going bantamweight unders on this one, man. I think, uh, I don't know if I'm going to take either one of these guys on a straight bet or, or on a, a, a straight pick for that matter. But I got to tell you, I, I really like the under on this one. Let me tell you why. Now, these guys have already fought one time, as you nicely put it, in Contender Series. Serhi Sadi did lose this fight. Um, or sorry, he he won this fight with a straight right hand in the first round, just two and a half minutes in. And then in the very next fight for Ramon Tavares, the, uh, the Savage, another person with the Savage, two people named the Savage going back to back. That's fun. Um, he ended up getting the win via left hook followed by hammer fists in the Contender Series in his very next fight. And uh, go ahead, go ahead. Ask me how long that took. Hmm, how long did it take? Twenty nine seconds. So, uh, yeah, twenty nine seconds in the very, very first round. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, with that being said, I really, really like the unders on this one. It's sitting at minus one fifteen. I'm going to be a little bit ballsy on this. I'm going to put a unit on it because I think that one of these guys is going to end up knocking the other one out. They're both ballsy guys making their UFC debut and both these guys need and want a flashy knockout. I don't think there's any chance this fight goes seven and a half minutes, folks. Ooh, I like it. And just to let you know what that looks like for one unit, you can cash out 1.86 units. So almost double your pleasure, double your fun for that one. I really, really like it. I think it's a solid pick. Um, again, is it my most confident pick? No, that one definitely has to go to Jasmine. Yes, uh, but again, it's it's really good. It's a really good pick. Uh, so jumping into the very, very next fight, got Charles Air Jordan coming in against Sean Woodson, who my fiance's sister has told me numerous times has the weirdest shaped body in MMA. She's not wrong. <laughs> Hard to make a case against that one. <laughs> and that's no disrespect because he'd piece me up uh, in I, any I type of capacity. But You're not wrong, but it is a really great shape for Muay Thai. Like he's and he's like a great boxer with legs. that frame. Yeah, a lot of legs. Yeah, he's built different, huh? <laughs> what are your thoughts on this fight though it's a fun one brother it's hard to hit a guy in the body when he's got 20% torso um, so <laughs> <laughs> he does hide it well <laughs> you know, I'll be honest like Charles Jordan he likes to hit people in the body a lot and uh, I don't think it's easy to hit somebody like Sean the sniper Woodson in the body and I also think that it's it's very very far and few between where we end up getting a person that has a nickname like Sean the sniper Woodson that just fits when he's out there, he throws at such a significantly high accuracy. I genuinely really enjoy watching this guy fight just because of the way that he maneuvers. At 31 years of age, he has truly come into his own as a mixed martial artist, and it shows. 
Um, most recent fight was over Dennis Bazookia, and he went 163 out of 229 total strikes landed, over 46 out of 121 for his opponent. So he landed at over 70% of a clip here, while his opponent landed at less than 40%. So he was landing while making his opponent miss simultaneously. That is it. That's that's the goal, folks. Uh, and on top of that, of his significant strikes thrown, which were 126 attempted, 71 of those landed. So again, 56.4% clip. Oh, by the way, the Muay Thai guy also landed at an 80% clip on his five takedown attempts, solidifying four in just his last fight alone. I mean, again, if, if you go back down the line here, he's had a number of fights that have been canceled and he's, he's had these draws happen, but the guy is an absolute stud. Like, make no mistake about it. I really look forward to this one. I think that when he's on, he is really, really on, folks. Um, again, going back to his last one before that over Colin Anglin, 59 out of 107 thrown. His opponent landed eight strikes to his 59. He outlanded his opponent by 51 strikes, and he only landed 59. So that should tell you a lot about him. Meanwhile, Charles Jordan is somebody that is a very exciting fighter. But again, this is the MMA Anomaly show, no filter. And I like to be very, very candid and very honest here. And I like to call a spade a spade. Charles Jordan, though he is a very exciting fighter, as most exciting fighters are, he does leave a lot to be desired in the striking and just in most, most kind of decibels and, and, and facets of the game itself, of mixed martial arts. He, which means he makes himself very hittable. Um, throwing those Spartan kicks, yelling, doing crazy stuff. I love it. It looks great on TV. It makes me a fan. But I got Sean Woodson in this fight. I think the sniper stylistically is just a bad matchup for him. And I think he gets it done, guys. I think uh, he's a plus 170 of this one because recency bias, again, is a son of a bitch. And I know getting a win over Ice Cream Chrome Gracie and uh, Ricardo Hamos that guillotine choke, let's face it, nobody expected that win. Nobody expected a submission win from this guy over Ricardo Hamos, but he got it done. But if you look at just those last two fights before then, Nathaniel Carved of Wood got the win over him and Shane Burgos got the win over him. Uh, both decision grindy wins. And Sean Woodson is a grindy decision winner. He will get this decision win. Um, I'm, I'm either going to bet the over on this one or I'm going to end up just going outright with, with Sean Woodson. And I'll be honest, you get them for almost the same exact odds, plus 114 or plus 170. I'm leaning more towards just betting the money line on Sean Woodson here, folks. It's a good bet, brother. It's a good bet. I mean, and honestly, you can make a case that Sean Woodson is an MMA anomaly. I mean, in a lot of ways, right? For the featherweight division, 145, he is 6'2", 31 years old, man. And he has a 78-inch reach, y'all. He's going to have a 9-inch reach advantage on his opponent. And so, again, I mean, you want to talk about an anomaly. And Charles Jordan mentioned it, man. He's he's an exciting guy. He's excited to fight a, a Sean Woodson, but he knows this is a tough puzzle. This is a, t a tough chess match that he's going to be in there uh, up against. So are we going to see some Queen's Gambit? I'm leaning that we are, man. I reckon we are. I, I, I'm maybe going with recency bias here. I know we love to agree, but I'm going to dis kindly agree to disagree with you on this one, brother, because I do think Charles Jordan has enough tools. He is exciting, but he is smart and calculated when he needs to be. Uh, he does have eight KOs under his record. He does have five submissions. And like you said, brother, sometimes being more recent, being more active, 
sometimes that best ability is availability. And I do think, not that I'm necessarily expecting any ring rust from a Sean Wilson. I do think those hands can wake up on a Sunday morning. It could be negative two degrees out, but best believe those hands will show up and speed kills. So not definitely not hating on the hands or uh, disrespecting the striking that I'm sure will be displayed come Saturday night, y'all, here in Toronto, Canada, up in chilly Toronto. But um, no, I think Charles Rodney's going to find a way to get it done, man. In his hometown, he's got a lot of momentum right now, got a lot of juice. He's the, kind of the bigger name, trend in the right direction. Air Jordan, baby. I think it's his time. So give me Charles. And I guess one of us will be doing a shot. <laughs> yeah, going to have to agree to disagree with you on that one. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. And with that being said, folks, um, it is it, it is time. It is time for us to jump right on into the uh, main, what is it, the main preliminary card of, of, of the evening? It's time! I guess that's what we call it. The, the, oh, the, the feature preliminary belt. There we go. That's what it is. That's what they call it. All the cool kids. Brad Katona, a.k.a. Mr. Clark Kent slash Superman himself, depending on if he's wearing the glasses. Because, you know, if he's wearing the glasses, it's like, I am Clark Kent. Then he takes them off, and it's fucking angry guy, fucking terrifying. Eye starts twitching and shit. Um, looks like a defunction, defunct fucking Barbie doll. Uh, he's terrifying. Coming in against Garrett Armfield. Also a little bit terrifying, but I, I mean, come on. I think we know who I'm leaning towards in this one. Brad Superman Katana. Man, we'll see Clark Kent up until Friday evening, folks. And then after that, it's going to be Superman. You will see the cape flowing in the wind. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a preemptive shot to this one because I feel like Superman gets it done pretty damn easily uh, over here. I think it's good matchmaking. I think will provide a fun enough matchup. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, do I think that uh, Brad Katana gets it done with superior grappling, overall strength, and just more paths to victory. Again, the guy, he, he doesn't have a crazy amount of TKOs. Three submissions, nine decisions, folks. That's what it all boils down to. Garrett Armfield. When he loses, it is either a submission or a decision. This is a stylistically bad matchup for Garrett Armfield. I, I like the guy. I think he's had some really solid fights against David Onama, as well as Stephen Graham and uh, Toshioma Kazama. I thought all three of those fights were solid showings, even though he did lose the one to David Onama via arm triangle choke in round two. Just three minutes and 13 seconds in. Uh, but I digress. I think Superman gets it done. Why? The main reason? Last time I checked, Garrett Armfield don't got no fucking kryptonite, folks. So uh, I think Superman gets it done here, flying through the fucking wind, and uh, just starts digging his way to a title shot, looking for the champ like, Where are you? That's my book. <laughs> I think Superman gets it done. Well, cheers to agreeing to disagreeing again, brother, because no! I think you're freaking wrong, man. No why chance. Bring, why do you got to bring Superman into this, man? It's my favorite superhero. Leave him out of this. Now I got to make me go against my own guy? Bleed my own blood? Brother, Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Superman, okay? 
No one makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. And that is why I I'm going against you. I didn't do this. <laughs> you leave that thy nickname out of it. If Garrett Arnfield had one, I would use it against you. But that is not the case, okay? He's going to make his nickname. He's going to be the... Uh, Garrett he might, Lex Luthor Arnfield? He might be Lex Luthor. He might be Kryptonite after this because he has what it takes, brother. Coming out of Springfield, Missouri, 27 years old, nine wins, six KOs, two submissions. You do the math, ladies and gentlemen. Most of the time he's in the octagon, he is finishing his opponent, and I do not mean that in a sexual regard. With that being said, he's a scary individual, man, and I do have a doppelganger for you. If you look at his Sherdog picture, or just his pictures in general, he looks like an original cast member, someone that had that dog in him in the MTV challenge. Some of the original seasons. I'm talking about a Derek. I'm talking about Derek from MTV challenge. The OG. I think you know who I'm talking about. You got that dog. I know in exactly him. who you're talking about. Derek from the challenge is an absolute legend. He looks, he's his doppelganger. Oh, Derek Kaczynski, bro. He's his doppelganger, brother. I think <laughs> He's got that dog in Mizzou. I looked at him. I said, what's that crazy I see? I recognize that crazy in his eye. If I'm not mistaken, I think I actually tagged Derek Kaczynski on Twitter last time Garrett Armfield fought and got a response from him. <laughs> I love that. that while you give your breakdown right now. I love that, brother. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, that's <laughs> that was most of it was uh, the big doppelganger one. But no, I mean, honestly, I think his power is something to be reckoned with. Uh, something that I don't think Brad has seen a lot of in this division. Uh, so how is he going to be able to hold up to that? That's a big question, man. And and I'm just leaning uh, the younger, more more fresh fighter here in the Garrett Armfield, the home field guy. I know I've been going um, a lot of the Canadian fighters here, but something about Brad, man, it just ever since watching him in the in the contender series, it just. It bugs me. He's not my Superman. OK, he's just not. He's he's a phony Superman. He's like that. That like CW like Flash character. It's just it's 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 an off one. It's not the original. It's not the one I watch. Okay, <laughs> I digress. I'm getting off topic now. But uh, hey, see, see, you you agree with me. You agree with me. You know this. <laughs> and I did not see your Twitter <laughs> account. Thus, I did not go back to your previous uh, tweets to find this. Okay, this was. <laughs> truly how i felt <laughs> also fun fact fun fact while we're on the topic of this folks uh the last person that that guy i just showed from the challenge that nano is so kindly referencing here and, and giving all the flowers he deserves which he deserves all the fucking flowers guys yes uh, because the dude is an absolute mutant of a human being um he came in there last time he was on there not even as a contestant but as a mercenary just for an elimination bout. And he went against a guy that was a whole fucking foot taller than him. And that guy, literally they, the, the, the elimination on TV was like 15 minutes in real life. They kept skipping on the timing because it lasted like an hour and a half of these guys genuinely wrestling each other over a cylinder. And they were bleeding from the mouth. They were bleeding from the nose. Derek's eyebrows were like both bleeding and busted open. And I messaged, or, or sorry, I commented on the guy he went against. I commented on his Instagram last year randomly because he's a fitness instructor guy uh, or fitness influencer. And I was like, hey, Joss, when are you coming back to the challenge? And he literally said, never, mate, no chance. So 
this little pit bull of a human being just ruined him from ever wanting to come back for a chance to win a half a million dollars. And he, when he first walked into the challenge, my favorite thing is I love this clip. I have to show it to you, Nano. Um, Joss, the big guy, he's like six something. And Derek is smaller than me. And Joss is like, you know, I'm walking in and I'm like, I said, it's a physical challenge. This is going to be an easy one. This guy's tiny. Um, and then by the end of it, when he's bleeding his own blood, he's like, he's literally like winded and he looks into the confessional camera. He's like, I have never met such an angry little man in my life. <laughs> For a little so, man, you have such a large pit of anger so in you. It <laughs> just defeated and this guy that's like a whole foot shorter than him and probably a hundred pounds less than him almost. It's like wrecking his shit. He's Good like, God, you're not going away. What the fuck did I sign myself up for, you guys? I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Oh, fried, yo. Like, bro, you hold pads for an hour, and you're like, this is good. I'm good. I don't need to ever work out again. And then you wrestle somebody literally in the sand for an hour and a half, and you're like, there's no amount of money that this can be worth. <laughs> and that's what happened. Uh, so, yes, I, I, I would agree. Garrett Armfield is... Very Derek Kaczynski-like. And also, Drew Drew in the chat here, Drew Toledo, shout out Mystic Drew. He said, don't you dare disrespect Grant Gustin and the CW Flash. CW Flash casting is top tier, <laughs> I, I will say. Like, of fair. all the CW shows for DC, again, shout out that DC. Is um, the best. That is fair. I will give him that flowers. I will, that is fair. I will give the flowers there. For that universe. So you think think you think uh, Garrett Armfield gets it done, huh? I think so. I think he's gonna find a way to get it done. Are you are you putting any scrill on that or uh No scrill, no scrill. I don't think I have any scrill thus far. Oh wait, no, no, no. I do have some on Charles Jordan, actually. He's making an appearance on my um individual card. I did put let me see. Sorry, let me pull this up, y'all. How unprofessional of me to have to go back a couple fights, but I did throw Yeah, I do have a parlay with your boy Jordan in there. That's how confident I am. And I did throw three fifths of a uni. I threw three doll hairs on there. So to win four point four six, I mean, feel good about it. Feel good about feel it. Good about it. I know you feel good about it. Uh, well, you said he's got kryptonite. I think you even may maybe you just like mentally thought this to me, but I feel like you you definitely said he's got. Kryptonite in his heart. So I think Garrett Metallo Armfield like is a pretty it. fitting nickname. Metallo, like obviously the uh the the mechanical half robot, half human being, uh enemy to Superman and DC Comics, who had a heart literally made of kryptonite. Uh so jumping into the next fight, which is starting off the main card, folks. You know what time it is. It's that time, folks. It's time! For the main card, folks, we are jumping right on into Arnold Almighty Allen, not to be confused with Brendan All-In Allen. We got Arnold Almighty Allen coming against the undefeated Movzar Evloev sitting at 17-0. Oh, man, I am so fucking hyped up about this fight. But before I jump into it, Nano, I'll let you take the lead on this one, I think, brother. What are your thoughts on this fight? Who do you think wins it and why? 
Let's go, brother. I'm going to be short and sweet because you got a lot of juice right now, man. I'm going to try and keep up this energy, man, because I'm hyped. This is a fun one, ladies and gentlemen. This has a lot of juice behind it, as MMA Anomaly is kindly bringing into this conversation. Uh, a lot of juice, a lot of energy. But, yeah, we have our boy Arnold Allen, 29 years old, man, 19-2 record. Former was coming in with 12 wins until he faced our boy Max Holloway, man. That was a big stumper in his uh, awesome streak here. Seven KOs, four subs. Arnold's a tough son of a gun, man. Very heavy-handed fighter. And again, unfortunately, that loss to Max, if you break it down, man, I think the big differentiator was Max's footwork, right? I mean, his ability to flow in and out of range, inflict just enough damage on Arnold in amongst those exchanges, and then be able to, to get out of range, avoid the um, heavy variety of strikes that Arnold was landing, um, and frankly, you know, Arnold Allen had a hard time finding Max and being able to land those multi-punch combinations. Um, that's really where Arnold Allen likes to thrive and, and really um, where he makes his money, right? Why he was able to get so many individuals out of there is that once he starts flowing, man, he's like a freaking juggernaut or like an avalanche. It is, it is, uh, boy, I wouldn't want to be in the way of that is what I'd say. Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy, that's his bread and butter, right? He loves to throw punches and bunches. So can he do that against a tough Movzar Evloev, who's 29 years old as well, 17 and 0, ladies and gentlemen? He does not know what defeat is. Three KOs, four submissions, and 10 decisions. I think that stood out to me because, hey, this guy. I mean, although he has ways to get you out of there, he doesn't have to. He can go 15 minutes with you. He can find a way to get the judges on his side more often than not, uh, and that's scary to me. And when you do watch his fights. Even his last fight against Diego Lopez, who he did take on short notice, but we've come to find out Diego Lopez is an absolute savage. Uh, uh, seven times, seven days out of the week, and twice on Sunday, twice on Saturday as well, brother. Yeah, thank you for the Q and he's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely savage. Excuse me, um, but so is Movzar Evloev, and he's similar to Max Holloway in his ability to move in and out of range to know how to use the distance. And if Arnold Allen starts using any of those leg kicks or gets a bit overextended, Mozart's going to take him down. He's going to outgrapple him. He's going to smother him. And I think he's just going to find a way to grind out a victory. This is tough. I mean, and it, I say that and I almost cut myself off because it's it's a toss-up. I mean, and, and the odds would certainly suggest that, you know, you can really go either way with this. Frankly, it's hard for me to bet against Arnold Allen, someone who has wins over a Calvin Catered. And I, damn, I want to give you this mic back because I'm curious to hear your thoughts, brother, and why you're probably going to talk me out of this pick. But for now, I'm leaning Mozvar Evloev just because dude's undefeated, man, for a reason. He's savage. There's something about his style that, to me, tells me that he he has enough tools, enough of a skill set. But he also has the mindset to go in there, use his footwork, use his game plan, use his well-rounded skills. And I think it is going to be the takedowns and that grappling game and clinch game that's going to be the difference here. And what he does when up uh, with Arnold up against the fence. Let me hear you, brother. What do you think, man? Talk me off the ledge. Why is Arnold Allen going to win this fight, brother? Arnold Allen is going to win this fight for a number of reasons, folks. Um... Now, I'm here to talk Nano off the ledge in a number of ways, okay? I'm I'm extremely stoked on this fight because I truly think that it's going to be a modern-day showing of two Cowboys stepping up to the plate, taking five paces back, and staring at each other old Wild Wild West style. Like, 
Now, sound effects and funny, cheesy shit aside, I just think that this is going to be an absolute barn burner of a fight. Uh, reason being, you have an undefeated fighter in Movzar Evloev who has everything to lose and everything to gain in beating Arnold Almighty Allen because with the win over Arnold Almighty Allen, he surely talks himself right on into a title shot. Um, I would say that the litmus test right now at featherweight is Arnold Allen or Max Blessed Holloway. You beat one of those guys, you get a fucking title shot. That's it, folks. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's it. They are the litmus test. And something that I really, really liked about Arnold Almighty Allen here is uh, this week on the, the Hawani Show, or maybe it was last week, either way, recently on the Hawani Show, he had an interview. He talked about this, and they he asked, uh, Hawani asked him, how do you feel about that that Max Holloway fight in retrospect? Like, uh, is there something you wish you did differently? Blah, blah, blah. Um, or do you have any regrets? And he said he has no regrets. There's nothing he wishes he did differently. He just wasn't good enough at that point in time in his career or at, on that night. And he also said that if you can't beat Max Holloway, you can't be the champion because Max is the litmus test for featherweight. I think that was one of the most honest things and one of the most wrong things he'll ever say because he is also part of that litmus test nowadays. He is with Max Holloway. There's a difference. He has power and volume. Max has flow and volume. The footwork, the ability to flow in and out, uh, dodge strikes while landing strikes. Now, Movzar Evloev on the other side of him is uh, no slouch. He's someone who has absolute finish ability, but also he's a grinder, right? Of his wins, 59% of them, aka 10 of them, have come by way of decision. 24% by way of submission, uh, aka four of them, and 18%, aka three of them, by way of KO slash TKO. If you look at his most recent four wins, you got Mike Grundy, kind of like Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. Um, he got that as it was a decision win. He got Nick Lentz, the carny, got a decision win. He got Hakeem Dabadu, he got a decision win. He got Dan Ige, he got a decision win. He got Diego Lopez, got a decision win. Now, I know it's not looking good for our old boy here, Arnold Almighty Allen, because of his two and sole two losses, all two of them were by way of decision. One of them was a very, very long time ago back in Cage Warriors when he was 7-0 going into that bout back in 2014. And the last one was to a young man you may have heard of. Nano was so kind to bring it up. Max Holloway. Okay, so here's the thing. The reason I think he beats Mozart Evloev is this. Even when our guy that you know we're a big fan of on this podcast, you know we're talking about Mr. Where are you? Diego Lopez himself. That young man did a really great job. I would I would say he made Movzar look pretty human, more human than he's ever looked in the UFC prior. Disagree with me if you'd like in the chat or, or on the mic, Nano. But here's the thing. I think certainly that he made Movzar look more human than ever before. Oh, and by the way, he only threw 82 attempted strikes. He only landed 48 attempted strikes. Movzar landed 183 of 228 at an 80% clip. Folks, so there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, push coming his way whenever he was trying to land things. So I did a little bit more digging, right? Because, again, it's the most human I felt like he looked. So I did some more digging for Mozart Evloev. Nobody that he's fought in the UFC has thrown more than 150 strikes. Arnold Allen, however, big guy when it comes to pushing the pace. Um even when he has a fight last uh, five minutes and eight seconds, he's getting a knockout. 
and he's landing 28 significant strikes out of 67 thrown. Now, if you give that man 15 full minutes and he knows that you're a pressure fighter, like, I don't know, Max Holloway, we've seen what happens when pushed to the limits. He threw 229 strikes. Sure, he only landed 80. But I think it's safe to say that Max Holloway has a significant, significantly higher advantage and output on footwork alone than Movzar Evloev does. Uh, Movzar is a is a technical striker and a really, really solid submission artist, in my opinion. Um, but other than that, he's just a grindy grappler. And if Arnold is able to stuff a handful of takedowns, what happens? Does he melt? Does he fade? And if he fades, somebody like Arnold that, with all due respect, is just a fucking machine as far as cardio, I don't think that guy fades. I think he puts it on him. And I think he maybe drops round one to win rounds two and three. I got Arnold Allen here, money line. It's going to be a fun matchup, ladies and gentlemen. Don't miss that one, y'all. Tune in. And uh, Mystic Drew in the chat here said, I disagree. Neither have a signature win hold up on putting him on the same pedestal as Max. So I agree he doesn't have a signature win. And maybe I'm, I'm, I need to pump the brakes here a little bit, Drew. But I do think that when it comes to where they stand as far as skill sets and what they bring to the table, legacy-wise, he's not a Max Holloway. But where they stand right now and what they bring as far as stoppability for future champion uh, championship caliber... I think they possess a lot of stoppability and and a different type of litmus test for the featherweight division. I think Max Holloway is litmus test number one. And with all due respect, Arnold Allen is the litmus test that's under him. If you beat Arnold Allen, you deserve to be able to fight Max Holloway. If you beat Max Holloway, maybe you stand a shot at beating the man, the myth, the legend, Alexander the Great. Maybe, just maybe. We'll have to find out Saturday. Maybe... Just maybe. And uh, there we have it, man. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the next one. We got Chris, the action man, Curtis, coming in against Mark andre Berriot. Uh, this is going to be a really, really fun fight. I think Mark andre Berriot is a very, very strong and tall person for the weight class, standing at 6'1 over 5'8, uh, standing Chris, action man, Curtis. The crazy thing is you've got a pretty significant height disadvantage for Chris Curtis, but Chris Curtis actually has a 1.5 inch reach advantage here. Yeah, so he's about three inches shorter, um, but no, actually more than that. He's uh, what? Five inches shorter, but he has a one and a half inch reach advantage. So, ape index is off the charts here, as they call it. It's, it, I mean, when it comes to the ages, we're talking about 36 versus 33. They're both over 32, which is like arguably fight prime, 32 to 34. Marc-Andre Barriol has struggled to find consistency in the sport of martial arts. Uh, power bar is 16 and 6, which anyone who knows me knows my favorite number is 616. You think off that alone, I'd be going for power bar. But I'm also going to say that the uh, confidence of being on the same fight card as one of your best friends, homies, and training partners and Sean Strickland for Chris Curtis I think he's going to be a big confidence booster for him. I think Chris Curtis is going to come into this one. And again, the, the man's been around the block. This is 40th or 41st professional fight here, guys. He's 30 and one. Okay. He's done this for a very long time. Um, and he's fought a who's who Jack Hermanson, Joaquin Buckley, Calvin Gaslam, Rodolfo Vieira, 
Brendan Allen Allen, Phil Hawes. By the way, he's got a win over Brendan Allen Allen. Um, him and his training partner, Sean Strickland, are two of the only guys in the division to have wins over, which is wild, right? So I'm going Chris, the action man, Curtis here. And, and not only that, I think he gets it done via knockout here, folks. I think he's going to come out there. He's going to lead strong. And I think he gets a second round knockout in this one. Um, not necessarily putting any heat on this one as far as betting dollars, but, um, you know, Vegas sees it going the same way as me. And I think there's a reason for that guys. Um, I think under 2.5 for plus 130 is, is pretty spicy odds, but I think I'm going to try and stay away. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, right. That's a great breakdown. I mean, I don't need to beat a dead horse here, but I am going to piggyback off your pick on this one. We are in agreement. I think Chris Curtis, man, training with the champ, training at Extreme Couture there with coach Eric Nixick, man, they're cooking up something special. And Chris Curtis, man, at this stage in his career, like you mentioned, I'm going to kind of give it a wash in terms of the age. Yeah, yeah, he's 36, but his opponent's 33. They're both in the same ballpark, so that's just fine. Okay, it's not some spring chicken he's going up against. Yes, Mark Andra- Andrea Berrialt is the hometown kid here. He is from Canada. Um, but, man, I mean, just something about Chris <laughs> Curtis, especially with how good he looked in his last outing against uh, Joaquin Buckley, man, and having that reach advantage, too. I mean, he's going to know how to use it. And I think, realistically, regardless of how long his arms are, he's going to want to get in the pocket. He's going to want to make it a little muddy. And he's going to want to see how bad Mark Andre wants to stay in there. But it doesn't take much, man. All it takes is one power shot. And and that is the one thing here when you're looking at two unranked middleweight fighters. Um, Chris Curtis, man, he, although he is a dog. Um, or excuse me. Well, not to mention Chris Curtis here, but just that both fighters have some holes in their games. Right. I wanted to mention, you know, Chris Curtis is, is an absolute savage, but none of them are perfect. Neither of them, that is. And um, I do feel that. Mark Andre does have some holes in his defensive game. So I think Chris Curtis will expose that come Saturday night. Wouldn't it be surprised if that second round knockout comes true? You might have your Houdini hat on there. You might be onto something. And um, I think I mentioned they were unranked, but Chris Curtis is ranked 14th. So let me put a little more respect on his name there as I miss uh, misspeak. But um, yeah, man. And with that being said, I mean, he does have a lot to lose. That 14th ranked spot. Is uh, something to be something to be had, right? So Mark Andre can potentially begin that. You know he's going to be focused. Hopefully he's making sure he's been sparring a lot and uh, he's going to be going in there against someone that is going to be ready to go 15 minutes and some. So I'm excited for it, but I do think Chris Curtis is going to find a way to get it done. Yeah, I guess we're going in different directions here, man. Uh, you're going with the power bar, going with the action man. feel like it might be another shot-worthy moment here, folks. Uh, but that being said, we're going to go ahead and move right into the next one. Because in this next one, I feel like it might be one where we agree. I don't know. It might be another one where we fucking disagree. I don't know, dude. You've been all over the place tonight. I don't even know who you are. All right, Nano? <laughs> keeping you guessing. Keep me on your toes, baby. Got to keep it moving. Switch the stances over move. here. That's right. Damn straight. Um, well, it is. It's a tough one, right? I mean, we got a Neil Magnus, someone we've seen around the block quite a few times here. Ranked 13, 36 years old, 28 and 12 record. That is 40 fights, y'all. Uh, seven KOs, four subs. Very well-rounded. Um, and, and it just feels like Neil Maddie, man, is just constantly accepting these fights with young up-and-comers nowadays, man. 
Um, kind of turning himself into the gatekeeper, unfortunately, as he's continuing to be on the wrong side of him. As you cue in the proper music there. Uh, and he is putting his 13th spot on the line against this Canadian prodigy. Um, now, Neil is going to have a 7-inch reach advantage. So how can he, along with that ground game, how can he find a path to victory? Again, it's going to be tough, brother, because he does have a tough opponent in front of him. Uh, and a Mike Mallet, man, 10 and 1 record. I'm surprised to see he was 32 years old. I was thinking he was younger. I feel like he's this prodigy, this prospect, this up and comer, but he is right in the wheelhouse of his prime, man, and he's looking good. So I, I do expect him to go in there and hopefully stay inside of Neil Magny, not let him, you know, uh, kind of stay around the outside of the octagon and um, get too comfortable because if he kind of gets in this lullaby kind of mode, New Magni will chip away, chip away, and I think he'll find a way to get a win over Mike Mallet. But Mike's not going to let that happen, man. It's his hometown. He's got a lot of juice behind his name, man, and he's a happy dad member. So I do think he's going to find a way uh, to potentially try to get maybe a knockout, maybe a TKO, maybe even a submission. He's going to want to try to get a path to victory here, a finish, I should say. Um, he does have four KOs and six subs. So at the 10 times he's been at the octagon, knock him up, knock him down. That's what he does, brother. He doesn't need the judges. They may need, they may have, be able to take this one off. So I do have Mike Mall Mallet in my, uh, my parlay. I do have him just as an individual bet. I have half a unit on him. Actually, I think I might have a full unit on him. No, it's half a unit. I'm not too crazy here. But um, again, feels like a safe bet. Mike Mallet. The hometown kid, not getting great odds. He's minus 385 right now, but maybe you want to parlay him with a couple other people because I think he's going to get it done. What are you thinking, brother? Are we in agreeance? Oh, man. I'm going to go ahead and leave with this. I'm going to say I think nice. Mike Malott gets it done, buddy. Um, I, I had the pleasure of running into him while we were at International Fight Week this last year in 2023. Um, fantastic individual was more than willing to take a picture with me. And I mean, the only thing more fantastic than his delightful personality is what he does out there inside of the octagon folks, this guy fighting out of Canada. He is the next GSP in my opinion, right? Uh, I don't mean that in terms of what his legend will be, what his acumen will be, what his skill set will be, what his legacy will be. I mean that in terms of he's the next hot thing out of Canada. Folks. Don't read too far into it. Um, does he have championship caliber? Absolutely. I think he possibly does. He is uh, an absolute beast. His nickname is Proper. They all call him Proper Mike. Proper Mike Malott over there at uh, Team Alpha Male. Why, you ask, is because uh, Uriah Faber, when he saw him first start training, he noticed that everything he threw, he threw it proper. So he's like, oh, there's Proper Mike. There's Proper Mike, man. Uh, and so it sucked. Proper Mike Malott, folks. I think that in this fight, he's going to do everything right. And I think that there's something interesting that you mentioned here when you were doing your breakdown, which I really, really enjoyed here. Nano, um, always appreciate your insight. One of the things you pointed out was the 80-inch reach, a.k.a. the 7-inch elephant in the room here, right? Um, Mike Malott's got 73 inches. Neil's got 80. There's something, uh, an extra layer to that that I'd like to point out. And maybe you already did this research. Maybe this isn't news to you. But I'd like to think it is for a lot of our, our listeners and viewers here. This was this was interesting to me. Okay. His introduction fight to the UFC was against Mickey Gall. May have heard of him. Guy that fought CM Punk. Um, that guy's got a 74-inch reach. Okay. So 
We're already talking about a one-inch reach disadvantage. Okay, skip ahead to his next fight. It's against the guy we just talked about maybe 30 minutes ago in Johan Lainess, the White Lion. That guy, 76-inch reach. Okay, he got the win over both those folks, by the way, folks. Uh, and then moving into the next fight that he had in the UFC, it was over Adam, forget about it, fuck it, um, who has a 77-inch reach. So each time they pair him up against somebody, their reach gets longer, and his just stays the same. All right, all right, all right. Um, it's crazy to me, right? Like, they keep giving him... I mean, the, the point is to give these people further tests, right? But for him, it's not only a skill level that they're jumping up, but it's also like, oh, this guy also has like a fucking half an arm more than you. Uh, so here he is. He's coming out there against just... And, and I use this word in a complimentary way, not a negative or derogatory way. One of the best gatekeepers of our time in the welterweight division, Neil Magny. Uh, he's an absolute beast. I think that he is, again, a litmus test for the top 10 of welterweight. And if Mike Millot is able to go out there and get it done, I think he puts himself right into top, top five contention and is probably two fights, maybe three fights at best, away from a welterweight title contender shot or a title shot for that matter. Uh, I got proper Mike Malott in this one. I think he gets it done. I'm going to be singing the fucking Canadian national anthem. This is actually Canadian whiskey in this, uh, in this container here tonight. Here we no go. Way. Here I we go. Oh, uh, you know, we had, we had to get it done. We got to do it all proper here for proper Mike Malott folks. So that's who, that's who I got. I got proper Mike Malott. That's who I got my money on, and that's who's got the shot. You already know, and if you didn't, because you forgot, we're here to remind you. On the MMA Anomaly Show, no filth. You can't. <laughs> <sighs> little impromptu. We'll freeze nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I love that we're in agreement on that. I think Mike Malott gets it done. This next one, I do feel like we're going to be in a disagreeing point on. I, I got a weird Oh, um, uh oh. Yeah, I get a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. I'll let you take the lead. Who you got? We got Raquel Pennington coming in against Maida Bueno Silva. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I'll start with uh, the higher ranked opponent in Raquel Pennington, 35 years old, 5 15 and 9, 1 KO, 4 sub on her record. Uh, and she is on a 5 5 win streak, man. Really coming in hot, you know, ever since. Um, her last, well, and let me just take a few steps back here, but boy, it just feels like Raquel Pennington, like we've talked about a few ladies tonight, has just been in there with all the baddest women to have ever done it, y'all. I mean, she's been in there with the who's who's. I'm talking about a Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandame, uh, Jessica Andrade, and even Vigo Amanda Nunes, uh, in a title fight that was a few years ago. Um, so this will not be uncharted territory this will be very familiar territory for Raquel Pennington having to go five rounds having to be a high pressure fight having to be a title fight knowing what's at stake knowing that hey this opportunity not only hardly comes around once but to come around a second time she knows hey you might get only one chance at it you got to grasp it not take advantage or not take it for granted yeah take advantage of it um and is she going to be able to do that as a striker, I think she's definitely made improvements. She's talked about changing camps. She's making those strides that she needs to. 
And at 35 years old, you you mentioned, brother, you know, there is a certain point where physically you peak, but also mentally you peak as a fighter. And I think she's right at the cusp, you know, physically, but also mentally where it's it's, it's really starting to come together for her. So I'm curious to see the version that we see here and if she can withstand the ver- the veracity that a Myra Bueno Silva is going to bring to this octagon Saturday night, y'all, because she is an absolute savage. 32 years old, 10-2-1 record, 1 KO, 7 subs. But don't let that fool you. Although she does want to come in there and choke out, she does have really, really good hands, and they've been getting better and better. Uh, coming from the Dana White Contender Series in Brazil, showcasing her excuse me, her skills there. And then also fighting with American top team, um, s- slowly, slowly developing her skills more and more, uh, showing inspiration from an Amanda Nunes, uh, being able to even just be around her and share the octagon, share the, the room with her. That's a big deal. And I think um, helps show the strides that she's made both in her striking. But again, that also complements that amazing ground game in jujitsu that she does have. Um, she was dominating and had a win over Holly Holm most recently. However, she did come across some bad luck. So failed drug tests that consider the fight a no contest. She's appealing it. I guess maybe that's to be determined. Uh, maybe it's one of those innocent till proven guilty type scenarios there. She mentioned going through some mental issues, battling that. Um, but man, if you watch that UNC embedded episodes and if you watch the UFC countdown, She's someone you're on a roof for. She seems like a happy-go-lucky girl. Um, obviously, again, fell under some dark times, which, hey, the UFC can test you, and life can certainly test you, but we all love a comeback story, and I do think that's what we're going to see here from uh, Myra Beno Silva. She's back. She's motivated as ever. She's found a new life partner. She's got a new purpose. And again, I think she's had a newfound um, path to, to the belt, man, and that's going to be taking Raquel Pennington to some deep waters, so I do think that, uh, oh, is it Mayra? Mira? My apologies. Mira. Buena Silva is going to find a way to victory. It's her time. It's her time. What do you think, brother? Oh, man. I think it might be her time. It might be her time. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, man, we do have a hell of a fight here, guys. We have Raquel Rocky Pennington coming in against Maida Shidara Bueno Silva, folks. Um, it's basically a Rocky movie versus the fucking Thundercats here, folks. I think this has got uh, fireworks written all over it. Um, if I lose, I'll be happy to do a shot on it. If I win, I'll be happy to do a shot on it because I know it's going to be fireworks here. Uh, I do think Mayra Bueno Silva brings a lot of different things to the table when it comes to abilities to win this fight, paths to victory, overall, just kind of skill sets, right? But with that being said, I also have to call a spade a spade here. Uh, Raquel Pennington, a.k.a. Rocky, is somebody I've been watching for a very, very long time. She's somebody that I have been cheering for for a very, very long time. And I think for a very, very long time that I thought she could probably beat anybody not named... Amanda Nunez. Um, obviously, you know, she's had those two losses to Holly Holm, as well as the loss to Jermaine Durandame. But she also beat Aspen Ladd, Macy Chason, Pansy Kinjad, Marianne Renault, Ketlin Vieira, um, Misha Tate, like she, Betch Kajeda, Jessica Andrade. Like she's beat a who's who 
of names, folks. Um, Maeda Bueno Silva, I get it. Like she's beat Stephanie Edgar, Yanan Wu, uh, and Lena Landsberg. But other than that, like I get it. The win over uh, Jillian Robertson was probably impressive. Round one arm bar, five seconds left to clear. But at the same time, folks, I gotta go with Rocky here. I gotta think that when she's walking out, we hear the theme. And then after she gets the fucking hero's victory, you up that Rocky victory music, folks. Adrian! Adrian! We did it! Um, we did it! Uh, I, I, think, I think Rocky's going to get it done, folks. Do I think that she goes out there and gets a finish? Not necessarily. She's become quite the decision maker here. Um, or decision grinder here, I should say. I could see her getting a guillotine or a rear naked choke. She is quite good in the submission realm. Quite underrated as well. Uh, even though Mayra Bueno Silva is more of the submission machine with seven wins by submission and zero losses, again, I think it's the unknown variable. Am I putting any heat on this one? Not it. I'm not gonna. Um, not gonna make any bets on this one. But, but, I digress. Very fun fight. Uh, I don't think it's getting nearly the amount of love and attention that it deserves. Uh, so, yeah, man. I, I'm super excited about this that. one. And this next one is one that I've been extremely oh, boy. for a very oh, long boy. time. Uh, even before it got announced, I was excited for this fight. Even the potential thought of it. Um, I just thought the DDP matched up very, very funly. Uh, against Sean Strickland. I thought that it would be fireworks in the presser. Uh, looking forward to that happening. I think that happens tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, man, I mean, Sean Strickland is just an absolute psychopath. And Drickus 2 plus C is uh, the best description that I heard of how he is as a fighter. And I'm not going to take credit for it, but I am going to steal it and use it, folks. Um, going to give credit where it's due to Dan Hardy. Uh, shout out. Thanks for following me on Twitter. Uh, dude, he put it perfectly. He said, Drickus Duplessis is like a, a puppy dog. That's a giant breed. So they have all this energy. and They don't understand how big they are. And so they're bouncing around and they're moving around with all this energy. And like, you're kind of terrified because you don't know what they're going to do because they're a fucking puppy dog, even though they weigh 50 pounds. Uh, in his case, even though they weigh 200 pounds. Um, so you have this guy with big puppy dog energy weighing 200 pounds just launching himself towards you. You don't know if he's going to launch back or forward or left or right. You don't know if he's going to throw a crazy overhand or like throw an uppercut. So for somebody like Sean Strickland, it's a very cerebral blocker. It's going to be very hard because it's a, it's a cerebral fighter versus a unpredictable, as I like to call him, herky-jerky fighter. Um, Sean Strickland is basically the epitome of that. I think the two best epitomes of a herky-jerky fighter or a herky-jerk fighter are probably Tim Elliott and Drickus Duplessis. Um, so, yeah, man. I think uh, in this fight, there's a lot of different paths to victory for both of these guys. Obviously, when it comes to um, Sean Strickland, I would say that his path is probably going to be a decision when uh, grinding it out, getting the, the edge up and the leg up on the overall strike count and just dictating the pace of the fight. When it comes to Drickus Duplessis, he's got to continue doing what he's done to get him to the dance. He's got to be unpredictable. 
He's got to be um, as hard to predict as it is to say the name. Yes, Adavitation. So, you know what I mean? He's just got to be all over the place. He's, he's got to just keep his opponent guessing, okay? And when he says, jump, you fucking sit down. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited for this fight. And before I give my full breakdown on who I think is going to win, I'm going to let you take the lead. And before we do that, we're going to do one last shot here to close out these predictions and these bets. Let's um, go. Cheers to the main event, folks. Cheers to you guys, the fans, the listeners, the people that we love. Cheers. And cheers to, to you people. all to get health and some good fights. Oh, we. Yeah. Well, this is a fun one, man. And you already had a great lead into it. Starting off with, um, I'll start off with our boy, Jordique Duplessis. Start off with the contender here in this matchup. Jordique Duplessis, 30 years old, second ranked contender here in the midweight division. Nine KOs and 10 subs, ladies and gentlemen, with a 20 and 2 record. That is a high clip of uh, finish rate, ladies and gentlemen. And since he's got into the UFC, and that is one, two, three, four, five, six fights, he is six and zero. Oh. Uh, and that is all finishes, y'all. He well, okay. Excuse me. One decision in there. My apologies. Uh, but five out of six finishes. One of those was against a Brad Tavares, which was a decision. Which tells me that hey, if he is in there with a smart opponent and a tough opponent, they're going to give him problems. Now he has been training in the right direction. And the thing with DDP is, like you mentioned, brother, the way he uses his switch stance, his explosiveness. His athleticism and that footwork as he switches stances, being fluid, being having a good center uh, balance and gravity and being able to throw everything in all those punches, which he does. Uh, everything is a significant strike, no doubt about it. Uh, but he also has that toughness and and he has that violence in his game as well. When you watch what he did to a Robert Whitaker, when he smelled that blood in the water like a shark, man, it, it was something to behold, something that really earned my respect, something you love to see as a fight fan. Um, I mean, frankly, he dismantled one of the best middleweights of all time, that being a Robert Whitaker, which nobody expected, let's be honest. Um, so can Rigas Duplessis, can DDP fight on his back foot? That is the question. Or is he going to be pressuring forward against a Sean Strickland, similar to what a Jerry Cannonier did? That is another question that I have. Either way, I, I think if he's moving forward and if he's able to apply that pressure and if he can go 25 minutes think it's going to be a bad night for Sean Strickland. It's going to be hard for him to get his offense going. But I do think with Drigas Duplessis, again, can he go five rounds? This is the first time we're going to be seeing it. Is that no surgery legit? And can he hurt Sean or can he take him down? Um, because again, like if he has some of that playbook from what Cannoneer did and is just kind of able to out-tough Sean, able to get him moving on his back foot, and just not make too many mistakes, not overextend himself. Um, I do think he has a chance to edge out a victory. Now, a lot of people may turn to the Alex Pajeda fight and and look at Sean and say, oh, he has a fragile chin. I beg to differ. I, I don't think that's the case. And I don't think, as much as I do think Drake's duplicity do, does have a lot of power, I don't think he is an Alex Pajeda. Alex is now fighting at light heavyweight. He does not have that kind of power. I, I do think he's more in that Jared Cannonier type of ballpark. Like let's let's remember Jared Cannonier is an absolute savage. That brother has power to the gills. He used to fight at heavyweight. So if Sean was able to go 25 with someone like Jared and was able to withstand the storm, 
I think it could be a similar fight, like in terms of the narrative, in terms of what we see, and, and in terms of how Jared was able to neutralize Sean and have him moving backwards and a little more hesitant and just able to win most of those exchanges and kind of win in terms of the points, which made it a little bit of a boring fight or maybe not that memorable, but a win's a win, ladies and gentlemen. And if you can mix in a couple of takedowns against Sean, even though you know Sean's going to be itching to get right back up, there's a lot of questions I have, but man, there are some paths to victory for Adrigas 2 plus C. He's a strong, explosive athlete, and he's really, really good, man. But can he actually get it done against a Sean Strickland who is on a f- three-fight win streak? He's 32 years old, 28 and 5, extremely, extremely busy. 11 KOs, four subs. Frankly, he's really well-rounded as well. But it's going to be the uh, the showcasing of the Philly shell. Uh, he's obviously going to be flat-footed. He's going to be trying to walk down Drickus, And I think that's going to be a big question mark here. If he demands the center of the octagon and he is able to just walk down Drickus, it's going to be a tough night for Drickus, no matter how much he's moving or how much he's bouncing around the octagon. That's a sign that Sean's in his bag. That's a sign that he's going to continue to use that Philly shell. He's going to be pairing all the jabs, rolling with the punches, maintaining that strict defense, but mostly applying pressure for 25 minutes straight like he does in the gym every week. Um, and again, I just I, I don't think he's going to slow down. I think he's extremely motivated. People are talking about how good Sean looks outside the octagon. I'd have to agree. He does look mighty, mighty beefy. And like our uh, shirt says here, he's going to provide a lot of those mean, bata- mean potatoes. Sean's the man, brother. I'm a huge fan of what he's doing. And he's got that killer, be killed mentality. And I do think that's where at the end of the day, as long as he doesn't lose his focus and there's no lapse of judgment like he had against Alex, he's grown a lot since then. Even that fight against Sherry Cannonier, where when you rewatch it, didn't make a lot of mistakes, just didn't do enough to win the fight against another tough opponent. But boy, what he did to Izzy and and just what, when you hear him talk about a Drakus Duplessis and just talk about his own skills, he's going to go out there and he's going to leave it all on the line. He's going to go out there and try and knock him out. And, he, and I fully believe that if it gets into the championship rounds and Drickus is clearly not able to find a way to hurt Sean, Sean's going to find a way to get it done. Probably by decision at that point, but it's going to be a fun night, ladies and gentlemen. Can't wait to watch it. Uh, I'm leaning Sean Strickland here to and still uh, to get away, to find a way to get it done, but I wouldn't be surprised if a Drickus C does get, a, get the job done here. He's extremely, extremely good. He's big. He's strong. And I mean, hey, I didn't think Dragos Duplessis was going to do what he did to Robert Whitaker, but yet here we are. So um, anything can happen. I just think he doesn't have that otherworldly power like an Alex Pajeda. So I think the the champion Sugar Sean, <laughs> Sugar Sean, uh, Sean Strickland. He'd probably hate if I heard heard me say that, but Sean Strickland's going to find a way to get it done. He's going to have the sugar that night. Uh-oh. There we go. Uh, when it comes to MMA, the biggest money I won on live betting last year was Drickus Duplessis. And that was while in Vegas for International Fight Week when he fought on International Fight Week uh, against Robert Hitaker. Um Now, here's the thing, guys. Here's the guys. Here's the guys. Here's the thing, guys. Jeez Louise. Um, getting ahead of myself, getting too excited here. As he walked out against Robert Hitaker. As uh, Mr. Seeker Juice likes to call him, I literally told Jalen, I was like, bro, let's let's throw like 400 down on this fucking guy DDP. 
I think he's going to get the win. I had, I had a crazy feeling. And I have a crazy feeling again. I know. I know what you're thinking. You're like, uh, <laughs> stunt. Yeah, leg asp. Uh, here's the thing, guys. I think I see you pouring up another shot, and I'm, I'm down to follow you in that into that battlefield, man. Before I give you this crazy breakdown that I know you are not expecting, okay? Because I have done some fucking uh, real research here tonight, guys. Okay? With my Canadian whiskey intel. I have done some real research on this, and not just UFC research. Not just what came before the UFC for Drikas Duplessis, a.k.a. KSW, EFC Africa. You know what I'm saying? I didn't just look at those things, okay? Instead, I had to take it back a little bit further than that, folks. I had to take it a little bit further. I had to look at CIT versus GBI on the Submission Kings Quintet match. Okay? I know what you're saying. What the fuck even is that? Okay? What happened about two years ago? Um, maybe three. But here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Um... Let's do this shot before I fucking make Nano make the funniest face you'll see on live. Cheers to Nano making funny faces. And cheers to Nano probably putting a unit on DDP right now. So DDP, he went out there, folks, uh, just not, not really that long ago. Okay. About like, again, um, I want to say it. What was it? What was this? Jeez Louise, what was this fight? Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was like two to three years ago. Either way, Mans went out there and did a grappling match. Okay. Now, Nano, let me ask you, and, and and this is actually perfect because if you say you don't know what it is, that's fine. Because a lot of the the general viewers and listeners aren't going to know what it is either. Do you know what a quintet match is? Where it's five fighters on five fighters fighting in a ring at once. My fucking guy. So very, very close. <clears throat> so it's a, it's a team of five fighters. You have a team captain that typically puts together a team. And then that team captain has a very, very grave decision, right? Uh, they have to choose in what order that team competes. So let's say it's like you, me, Drew, Jalen, and uh, like you, me, Drew, Jalen, and... I don't know. Let's say fucking uh, Tien. Okay. Or Eric. Let's say Eric. You, me, Drew, Jalen, Eric. Fuck it. Okay. Very different weight classes. So it's very important how I dictate where those people start. Do I want the biggest, strongest guy to start, a.k.a. you? Do I want the smallest, fastest guy to to start, Drew? Do I want the longest, lankiest guy to start, Jalen? Do I want the biggest cardio horse to start? Because I know he can outlast a lot of opponents and Eric, or do I want myself to start who, I mean, maybe not in grappling. If if we're we're talking striking, I would say I'm most technically sound, right? Um, I don't offer the most cardio. Fuck, I'm exciting, right? Uh, (laughs) So what do I want to start? Do I want to finish so that way I can like fuck up the last guy on their team? I don't know. A lot of stuff goes into it, but I'll tell you this. In this specific quintet, the one that I'm referencing, okay, aka Submission Kings, CMH. These guys decided they were going to start Drickus Duplessis against a, Drace, a Gracie Bada team. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? 
Do you know this story? Do you know this match? No, no. Let's go. So, good times. Um, from that point on, folks, drink S2 plus E. Now, let me ask you before I go into the story. Would you say that you would say that Drikas Duplessis is like a, a grapple heavy fighter in the UFC? Probably not. No. Right. Like no. he's mostly just struck like a crazy puppy dog, puppy dog energy. That should yeah. be the next shirt, guys. Puppy dog energy. We're making it tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so big puppy energy or puppy dog energy. Vote in the chat below. Now, jumping into this story, Drikas Duplessis defeated an entire Gracie Barra team in a quintet match. He hit a guillotine, a one-arm guillotine, a.k.a. what I like to call after seeing Luke Rockhold do it to Mike Bisping in their first match, the one-armed yank and crank. A north-south choke, a Darce choke, and then proceeded to beat their team captain on points. Five matches, one guy that didn't even use another fucking person. So you said in your breakdown, and I don't mean to fucking bust your chops and put you on blast, brother. I love you to death, my guy. But you were like, oh, we just haven't seen him in a 25-minute match. I don't know. I have. I've seen him in a 26-minute match against five fucking bodies. <laughs> I watched him sub four of them and beat the last one on points. That was fresh. So I say to you, with all due respect, as Ricky Bobby said, I don't think that opinion is worth a, a velvet painting of a walrus getting it on with a dolphin. Um, look, man, I like Sean Strickland as a fighter. I think he's really good at what he does. I was impersonating him tonight. I made my Muay Thai coach laugh, and he knew exactly who I was impersonating, which made me laugh. Um but I think DDP just gets it done, folks. The man is an absolute stud. He's got nine wins by KO slash TKO. Ten wins by submission, which we haven't even really seen in the UFC, folks. I mean, sure, he got the rear naked choke over Darren Till, but it's Darren Till. He was on a downward skid, so it really wasn't that seemingly impressive. I think he gets it done via ground and pound in round two, folks. Um... You can take the under 2.5 on this one if you think Sean gets it done and that Drickus has a, 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 I don't know, a sus, as the kids say, gas tank. You can take that bet. But I'm not with you. I'm taking the plus 102. I like those odds. I like my odds in this one. Okay? And that's why um, I'm going to be crazy and I'm going to say something crazy here. Okay, folks? Sometimes. No, no. Look me in the eye when I say this. Sometimes you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Okay? And that is what we're going to do. Wait, that was one, two, three. There we go. We're putting four units on DDP on Saturday night, folks. I know this is going to catch. And what does that do for us? Again, uh, one of the best uh, gum slogans in the world, double mint. Double mint gum, double your pleasure, double your fun with double mint gum. That's what you do if you bet on this one, folks. It's a pretty fucking flat odd set here at plus 102. So you already know if you bet uh, four units, you're going to get just a hair over eight back. That's going to set us up for a stellar start through 2024. That's going to make back some of the money that I lost. Some of them unis that I lost last week 
fucking geez louise guys uh looking for christmas money over here but i digress we're, we're dipping into the christmas fund for this one because we're gonna make it all back guys we're gonna make it all back and uh this is gonna start the uh the down payment on the house all right guys this is how we turn it around also fun fact for the year 2024 we are gonna do a better job of this the good the bad the ugly you already know what that means doesn't matter if we hit we shit or we forget just kidding we're never going to forget because starting this year we are starting a google doc where we will keep track of our bets um i'm going to be working on that this weekend when i'm not working on actual corporate sales work shit and uh i am going to basically set that up to where i'm going to have separate sheets for our joint bets nano's bets those fucking live jive crazy turkey bets <laughs> and my own bets where you know i'm going crazy and trying to fucking just Take that money to the um, And again, the good, the bad, the ugly, whether we end up 30 units down at the end of the year or 100 units up at the end of the year, we will post it during the 2024 third annual MMA Anomaly No Filter Awards show. Uh, you heard it first here. You can bet on it. You can check the record. And uh, whether we're yelling, woohoo, or mother. We're going to have those winnings or, or losings at the end of the year in that post-show wrap-up. And uh, again, those are our bets for this one. Now, Nano, did you have any parlays here set up or any any kind of bets that you really were hammering in on this 297 card? So, I, I mean, I, I double-dipped a little bit. I, I'll admit, I double-dipped on my parlay, and I, and I set them all as individuals as well. Because uh, I just felt like, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to ride them, I want to make sure I'm at least being safe a little bit. Yeah, you could cash out sometimes as you're halfway through the parlay or what have you. But I'm actually going to be out of town this week. I'm actually going to be out of the country. So I really won't be able to do any cashing out or live betting. So I figured so I figured I'm just going to go ahead and uh, keep it light, keep it tight. I have a four-pick parlay, and I have them all individually as well. But I got Charles Yordain, Air Yordain, to win over Sean Woodson. I know you may not like that one. You may not like this next one either. I do have more moves are. Evloev to win as well. Uh, I got Mike Malat to win, hopefully by a lot. And then last but certainly not least, Myra Maira Bueno Silva to win as well. And I, I am taking them all individually, but I do have one unit on that four-lay parlay. Just in case I'm right, might as well double dip on that. $10 total is two unis to potentially win three. Three unis and some change, y'all. Why not? Why not? It's time. You love to see it. And of course, you already know the people are dying to know. Where are you going? What country are you going to? Going to Mexico. So it is uh, Amy's grandma's 80th birthday. And so they're basically doing a quinceanera for her, but her 80th. <laughs> so we're excited it was very very last minute her dad surprised us with tickets he was very you know very uh maybe like considered a late uh christmas gift i suppose but um really wanted us in attendance we're going with her sister and the kiddos and um yeah it's gonna be a fun week and to be out there for a few days and um we'll be back next week is regular programming i will have to talk about the scheduling for the early week of the episode but we'll certainly be in 
by the end of the week for the recap or at least the uh, next card as we break it down. But dude, that music was fire. Uh, <laughs> break it down for you know what I'm saying? Uh, and you know, I had to have the music queued up. Eh? Ja, ja, ja. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we have all types of music here and all types of representation here, folks. This is the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. And you can bet on one thing and one thing above all else. And that is that we will have no filter. We will deliver it exactly as is unfiltered and unkempt. And here we go, folks. Um, my parlay of the week. I already sprinkled a little bit on it last uh, episode here. It's 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 gotta be Jasmine. Yes, it does. Arnold Almighty Allen, Mike, proper Mike Malat. Uh, you know. And uh, that's it. We're going to do that. We're going to hit that. And that's going to be that. Um, and with that parlay, that is going to stick us at plus 339 odds, which means one unit is going to get you 4.39. I am, of course, putting two units on it. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm trying to hit that 4.399% gain here. And um, on top of that, I'm going to throw a little tiny, little salt bay of a sprinkle here on the uh, the same exact parlay because as my co-host said, I fucking love to follow your lead, my guy. And I hope that we're coasting into the sunset, playing that fucking just rocky theme winning music. Oh, the whole thing, baby. Hey, let's go. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to I'm going to double down on it. I'm going to go Jasmine. Yes, Arnold Allen, Mike, I'm sorry, proper Mike Malat, and Drickus Duplessis. Um, I just, I really like DDP in this one, man. I really like DDP in this one. I think he gets it done. And uh, I, I like Sean Strickland, but I think Tarzan is going to get sent packing back to the jungle. I think DDP hits him with a fucking diamond cutter up on that bitch ass. Hits him with the fucking WWE move. And then maybe drops an insult from the 90s on him for a good measure. Who knows? But I'm excited about it. I think we could take this one to the belt. I think, um, honestly, the post-fight speech is going to be something that would make Rick Sanchez giggle. <laughs> and I'm super excited about it all the same. I am so stoked for UFC 297. And... Honestly, can't wait to break down this fight next week. And then after that fight, you can bet your bottom dollar. You can bet your sweet ass that we are definitely going to be breaking down all of these new, yummy, delicious tidbits of news that we've gotten for UFC 300. Um, we got to do a little, there it is. A little, little turkey sounds. Guys, we are super stoked for UFC 297, 298, 299, 300. International Fight Week and everything in between, folks. Uh, we can't fucking wait to break it down. You can definitely bet on seeing some live coverage from UFC International Fight Week from me and your boy, International Fight Week Nano here. And uh, we'll bring the little, little, little clip mics. They won't be as good a quality as uh, these guys right here, but they can still be pretty fucking good. They'll block out some of the background noises. And if any of our viewers are going to be at International Fight Week in Vegas, Please let us know. We would love to see you guys get some live footage with you, get you on the channel for June slash July. And uh, again, thank you so much for spending the last almost two hours with us. We hope 
that even if you bet against us on every single one of our pits, and it means that we have a sad, sad, sad night at the office when it comes to our bets. We still hope that you fucking hit, and we hope that you have a fucking shiny walk in the park. We'll play some happier music here for you. We hope you're snapping, going along with that jazz music, cashing your fucking checks all the way to the bank here, folks. And uh, we do hope that we'll see you next week on Monday for the breakdown episode. Whether we are right, wrong, somewhere in between, you can bet your ass. We're going to cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. So like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications, and we cannot wait to see you all in the next episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. As always, I'm your host, MMA Anomaly, a.k.a. Olin, and with me, as always, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. See you next week, folks. Enjoy the fights. Keep on going. Keep on growing. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.